This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 18, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New for this year, 2017 opening day rosters, historic Negro League integration, run the ultimate what-if scenarios, tournaments, fall leagues, a redesigned injury system, an improved 3D game, real-time presentation, and game highlights, improved player morale, and team chemistry, and so much more. Out of the Park Baseball 18 has the full sleeper in the bust stamp of approval. We all play it and have for years. Even better, if you buy now through the Sleeper in the Bust podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, and just enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout to not only get a discount, but also help support the Sleeper in the Bust, indie sports video game development, and all the people who work to bring you the great game of Out of the Park Baseball 18. Once again, just go to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout for a special discount and to support our show. Guys, I, I'm obsessed with this game. It is so much fun. Um, I played a lot of OOTP17. You guys have heard me talk about my Twitch streams, twitch.tv slash pspore24. I was streaming my 17 franchise over there. I, I, I did a fantasy draft in 1995. I was able to get Ken Griffey Jr., and Pedro Martinez. I don't know what the computer was thinking there, uh, letting letting both of those guys get there. I took Pedro with my first pick, and then and then got Ken Griffey Jr. I haven't started my new eighteen one for um, for streams yet, but I'm going to. And I'm actually just gonna gonna start over. I, I I won the World Series that first year with the with the seventeen team, but I'm gonna start a new one. We'll do the draft at some point soon, so stay tuned for that. But out of the park is is just so much fun. You've heard me talk about. Uh, other baseball video games I like, they're, they're two different experiences. This is the sim, in-depth, management sort of deal, and then the other game is, is playing. So um, I absolutely love this game. One last time, ootpdevelopments.com. Sleeper18 is, is your discount code. Uh, that lets them know that we, that we sent you there, and they give you a little bit of uh, a little bit off the top as well. If you do play the game, let me know. Let me know what you're doing with it. Let me know what, uh, what team you're going with, whether you're starting historically or going from now. Uh, if you do the fantasy draft, hit me up on Twitter, at Spora. I love kind of seeing how people go because it, it doesn't just play out 100% to, to history. Things can change and you can have guys you know you can have a failed prospect that actually pans out for you so i I love seeing that stuff definitely hit me up there um and 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 thanks for supporting the show by by going to ootpdevelopments.com Welcome to episode 470 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, June 15th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going? It's it's good. It's Eno. good. Yeah, Eno. A- answer I'm, I'm me excited. this. I'm starting to hit my stride a little bit with like the interviews and like, you know, it, it, somewhere around this point of the season, I've talked to enough people where I can start taking the stuff I didn't write about and, and like putting it together into bigger pieces so. doing a little something with it yeah. yeah i was actually just gonna bring that up like how in your groove are you that's crazy that you said that because i was gonna say how in, in your groove are you it's june 15th dude we're like 
we're in it. Like we're, the, yeah. the, 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 you can't say this guy's off to a good start, a bad start anymore. Although you yeah. still do hear it sometimes on telecast. Like the season is going. Obviously, it a lot can to, change, but the season is is full throttle. It's also interesting time in your in your leagues. When the leagues where you're going well, you start to really feel like that same thing where you're like, you know, this is this team can make it. You know, I've exactly. got. I'm in, you know, third or fourth any given day in AL Labor. Um, in Auto New Experts, I'm in first battling Alan Harrison. And, um, you know, that goes back and forth every day. And those leagues are starting to take my attention a little bit more. And, you know, I think that's, I think it makes sense because in the ones where you're not there, if, if you can sell for something, you know, people will start to, to, to come to you and say, you know, do you want to sell these pieces? You, you want know, to be first to sell year? too, right? So if you are kind of on, uh, you know, it's not going to be that season. It's not going to be your season barring some major burst. Then you want to, you want to be selling. You, you want to be saying, you know what? I've got the pieces. Y'all come get them. Because if you're third or fourth to sell, uh, what's going to be left, right? So I, I actually think that th- this is a great time to really do an assessment, go in the standings, see what kind of points you can realistically gain, you know, not based on the best case scenario for all your players, but even like a like a solid case scenario or, I, you know, I could trade for this. And if it doesn't add up, you got to look to uh, to move on. And in my opinion, that's my opinion on a keeper league. And yeah, and in a redraft, sell. it's it's uh, panic time. You it's know, panic time and it's Hail you, Mary time. Yeah, yeah, because it's six there's still sixty percent, so like if you do make the right move right now, like you can make up some ground and maybe get back in the money, or if it's head to head, you know, make it make uh make some difference there. Like I think the 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 DL choices that we've been talking about now become in a redraft league become tantamount. You have to make that decision, you have to drop that guy. Cesar Hernandez got hurt. I had Neil Walker, and I think I just had to. I was just like, I can't sit around and wait. I had to drop Cesar Hernandez. Now Neil Walker's hurt. I can't cry. Got to just move on. It's head to head. If I can find somebody, I picked up Whit Merrifield. If Whit Merrifield can do what Cesar Hernandez can do, and I think maybe he can do at least 80, 90% of it, how much did I lose? And I kept going, and I didn't get zeros, you know? So, you know, you got to go by ugly right now. You got to yeah. go buy Masahiro Tanaka for nothing and just hope. This is in redrafts again because you're not going to get like the 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 kind of fake buy lows, the guys who are just like a little bit off, but you can find five things in their profile as to why you should should be in on them. You got to buy the guys that stink, that it's ugly right now, and and try to hit big. Uh, that that's really what you got to try. You got to probably make two or three of those moves. Um, depending on how your team shakes up, maybe all of them on offense, maybe all of them on pitching, maybe mix. But that—that's what you got to do. Don't don't completely quit though in a redraft because uh, you're not out of it. You just have to make moves though. You can no longer sit on your hands. So uh, we're gonna talk about a lot of interesting stuff today. You know, different little bit, a little bit of a different format. We're actually gonna cover uh, our topics are gonna come from four different pieces: one from outside, uh, and then three from from on the website. And then we're gonna talk some Aaron Judge and and, and trading him because you're in, you're engaged. Uh, in some interesting trade talks right now, and I definitely want to cover that. But let's start with our question of the day, and, and it uh, leads us to our piece that's that's outside of our realm, but definitely from one of our friends uh, and former colleagues, Ben Lindbergh, actually current colleague because uh, Effectively Wild is on the website. Um, but I have a question of the day for you. Is the ball juiced, or are Scooter Jeanette and Edward, Ed, Eddie Rosario just too lit? 
Eddie Rosario. Are they just too lit? Are they just too damn good, or is the ball juiced? You've been on the ball juiced from the jump. Ben Lindbergh wrote a recent piece. What what are you seeing? What where are you at now? Almost halfway into 2017. Now the the home run revolution kind of started mid 2015. Where are you at now? Nearly two years later, with especially with uh, Ben's latest piece. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a little annoying that we've been pulled back and forth on this thing. I agree. Because <laughs> I, saw, I saw the title of his piece. First off, I was like, didn't he already write a piece that said it wasn't? And, you know, because they had tested it. You know, not that he said it wasn't, but like it was tested and it, and it wasn't juiced. And now we get a piece that says the juiced ball is back. Yeah. And, and a lot of people are back on that train right now this year. I heard a really interesting thing, and I don't know if it's covered in the piece. I did not do my homework. No, I have not read the piece yet. I'm a terrible person. I relied on Eno to read it. I said, Eno, did you read it? He said, yes. I said, great. You get to talk about it. But I did hear an interesting theory, and you can tell me if it's in the piece. Somebody said that they also – another thing that they're seeing that, that kind of lends credence maybe to it is the, the, um, the uptick in blisters and, and, and you know injuries of that nature, broken fingernails, stuff like that perhaps from raised seams um i that was just some speculation that i'd heard oh you know people have been asking me about about blisters i I went and found that rich hills blisters were related to the curveball oh i thought it was related to old skin i thought just old skin deteriorates after a while he's 53 years old right (laughs) no i mean you know josh beckett had the problem he's a big curveball guy i found i found that guys with multiple trips to the dl in one year based on on the dl Sanchez, Aaron Sanchez has a big breaker. He yeah, has, he's got a finger itch. I think his is nail more, but but that same sort of realm of of the ball injuring their fingers. Yeah, and so uh, I I just uh, I think that um, you know I think that it's an interesting thing to think about. You know, basically what Lindbergh's piece found was that there was a change in the ball. That there was a change in the ball. They did actually test thirty six balls from 2015 from early or maybe 2014 and 2017 or 2016 they basically tried to put some space in between because we saw the big boost in home runs in 2015 and um and we saw that big boost in home runs in 2015 so they wanted to make sure they got balls that were way before that in sort of august 2015 so we wanted to get balls from before that and after that that were definitively before and after that because it's kind of hard when you're getting a ball, even if it's authenticated, which are that's that's rarer than just getting a game ball. Mm-hmm. Once you have an authenticated game ball, it's hard to know exactly when it was used in the game and and and, and all that, and when it was when it was uh, actually made, when it was when it was constructed, when the ball was made, because it could have been made months before and then using that game. So what they try to do is put a lot of air between the two and get balls that were definitively from different batches, and they found a difference in seam height. Uh, difference in di- in diameter, and then a difference in sort of the coefficient. It's like some sort of coefficient that has something to do with how uh, the ball comes off the bat. Basically, coefficient of restitution there or core, aka its bounciness. I read bounciness. that from the article. I did not yeah. make that. I didn't, that's not from my brain. <laughs> and um, and so they uh, they they basically they found that there was a difference. Now. I have seen some people say that the difference in seam height and diameter were not significantly different and okay. that 
the core difference was significantly different, but however, that goes up directly against what the MLB, um, what MLB has testing said because MLB came out. That's what we were last talked about. The juice ball was the MLB came out and said that, that, um, no dice that, you know, we, our cores are the same. We found Mm -hmm. that there are cores the same. So, uh, but however, there's another piece, even Rob Arthur wrote a, a, a another response at five thirty eight, And he basically asked Alan Nathan to look at what the difference in seam heights would mean for distances and it, it meant basically a four percent home run rate um, increase which is what we found oh so like it's a, there's a real strong connection between this change in seam height and and size of the ball and and the uh and the distance that it's about two to three feet or was it you know two feet of distance and that two feet Raises home run rates by four percent. The two feet doesn't seem like a lot, but an extra two feet on a three thirty, you know, or a three thirty four, you know, becomes a home run in a lot and of parks. So and we're seeing a lot of those, right? Uh, even in, in in Ben's piece at the outset, he talks about some of the, you know, quirky things that have happened with with Scooter Jeanette, uh, a one handed homer from Chris Carter, and then a Marwin Gonzalez one uh, where it looked like a fly out and it ends up clearing the fence. Those extra couple of feet, you know, can be the difference. Now there's plenty of moonshots too. Um, but there are ones that are just, you know, just kind of trickling over. It'd be interesting. I haven't really looked at this, uh, hit tracker online. Like how many just enoughs are there? Are, there, are we seeing more of those in home runs? It, it, it's kind of interesting. The thing you said out front though, is, is the, the thing I keep coming back to about how it just keeps going back and forth. Like when there was the info that, that apparently the ball wasn't the issue, I'm like, okay, well then we got to kind of figure out what this is. And maybe it's, it's, you know, the, the launch angle revolution guys going for fly balls, pitchers pitching at the bottom of the zone. Maybe it's more of that. That certainly has a role, but now we're back to it being the ball. And, you know, Saris, the one and only was the one who said the ball from jump street. And you even asked uh, Rob Manfred that, and that was really awesome when you did that. And I think you yeah. <laughs> well, back. And now we're kind of back to being like MLB. What's going on? We'll we'll see. There is as as you could tell from the way I was trying to set it up. There are people that don't necessarily agree on on all sides. Mm-hmm. However, if you look at the things that would really you know explain it, whether launch angles, uh, talent, you know, baseball talent, youth, what pitching. Are they pitching at higher velocity? Is it better, worse command? Are they throwing it down the heart of the plate more often? I, I looked into a lot of those myself. I didn't. They were not throwing it down the heart of the plate more often. Uh, I found that they were not pitching closer to their maximum more often. And uh, other people found that weather did have an effect, but not enough of an effect to explain the home run surge. So you can't. I mean, you, it's really tempting for me. I'm not really a conspiracy theorist, so I don't really want to, you know, like, ah, baseball's doing this. But And so, I've, I, you know, I, I've been tempted by this idea that maybe it's all these things together. And I really severely got tempted by that once MLB came out with, with this, you know, we tested the ball stuff. And, um, you know, then I was like, well, okay, then it must be a confluence of all these other factors, that these all these things have come together and, and given us an explanation that looks like, you know, the towers couldn't burn from inside, but, but um, you know, maybe they did. 
So, you know, so I, I feel like, um, you know, in this case, now I'm moving a little bit back towards the conspiracy theory. It's like, no, yeah. it looks like the balls are legitimately different. And and we have a reason to wonder why Angelton Simmons is hitting one-footed home runs. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa, whoa. Angelton Simmons is a power-hitting stud, and don't you dare. <laughs> We're actually going to talk about him later, so let's not get too deep. Well, it also, it's also very difficult for us, um, you know, like we've talked about, for us to, to find pitching. Now, I looked at this. Do you know that the average right now, the average uh, ERA for the league starters, you know what it is? 434 443 yeah yeah i mean it's I, I, yeah i was talking about that on, i think it's on, a lot higher than people pod. think because somebody came on a lot my, higher yeah somebody came on my chat today and was like why do we like the it's a it's an old refrain I, i'm sorry i'm not making a noise to make fun of this person it's it is sort of a thing that you hear which is why do we like the quality start 450 era is not really something to write home about well all of a sudden it is sort of league average so it's at least right? average and yeah. you did it over six innings so you you kind of you did an average thing, you know. You gave your your team about an average chance of winning. So and and the 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 pushback on that that I've always had is um, only about ten percent, and not, maybe it's different this year, but only about ten percent of quality starts are baseline quality starts. So while it is a threshold and it is kind of the the, the low end of it, and a four fifty ERA doesn't seem sexy. I think what what we really need to understand though is that like. The difference between a six and two and a six and three just isn't that significant. So focusing on the four fifty ERA aspect of it uh, is kind of stupid, in my opinion. And uh, again, there just aren't that many sixes, six and three quality starts. A yeah, large majority of them are much better. That's just the baseline. And like you said, though, that's something that we got to be interested in now. I was talking a lot about that yesterday um, on the solo pod, talking about pitchers where. Uh, I can't remember who I was talking about. I think Jason Vargas. And I was like, he might only be like a 390 the rest of the way. That's something that you want on your team. Yeah, we like, have to. That's that was my major point was that we have to we have to recalibrate our our absolutely. And the ideas. calibration has not taken place yet. It really has not. And the um, and the other part of it that's that's beyond just the recalibration of what is good is that. The, if you if you look at a lot of uh, we talked about this too before, but if you look at a lot of the pitchers that are that are doing well right now by ERA, a lot of them, you know, have uh, have good home run rates. Yes, they're keeping the ball in the yard. But, but that's the hardest thing to like depend on. It's the hardest yep. thing to bank on. So, you know, will Robbie Ray, despite pitching in Arizona, keep a point nine home run per nine when nobody else is with a forty one percent hard contact rate? Chase Anderson with a point five nine home run rate in in Milwaukee. A former home run guy, by the way, too. Yeah. That's the craziest part about somebody like Chase Anderson is that that used to be kind of his bugaboo. Is like, yeah, you're going to get a, a, a high threes, low fours because the dude just gives up a homer per nine, like like clockwork if not more and this year as you say 0.59 for chase anderson so uh it really is interesting where do you go from here you know what what now now that you see this piece is it something that um i would i mean as a researcher i think i would uh well as a journalist and i think ben's going to be all over this because he's he's a crazy person but awesome yeah um you know you got to keep asking. You got to keep. You know, I'll I'll raise my hand again if I have the chance and and ask. Uh, you know, MLB about this. I'm sure he's pestering them right now about his findings. Um, you know, that's that's one way. As an analyst, uh, I don't know what there is to do other than get more balls. I, I they really we've kind of looked at everything we can do. We matched pairs of players and found 
you know, that uh, that that changed over time. We found minor leaguers hitting against the same major, the same pitchers in the major leagues and hitting the ball further and harder and, and for more home runs. So I almost want to switch. I mean, for fantasy at least, you want to switch and start talking about home run suppression, which is something that we haven't really studied or able to find. You know and what I'm saying? I think yeah. part of it is that because of the volatility of it, we've kind of thrown our hands up at, at, as like a fantasy yeah. industry of saying like, hey, you know, Quentin Kershaw has a 1.2 what are you going to do about it? You know, Max Scherzer always gives up homers, but they're usually solo shots and he's still a beast. Right. So, you know, what, and, what do we do? Do we start favoring parks that don't give up homers or a two or three home run game also throws all that off? Yes. Especially exactly. early in the season. So, uh, I don't know. I think that one thing that we haven't really put a, 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 a lid on is, is what exactly suppresses home runs. I think we do know that a very extreme ground ball angle, like a very, you know the the very minus five guys like da- Dallas Keuchel and Marcus Stroman. Those guys are not going to give up a lot of home runs. Explain what the minus five is for those that don't know. Well, that's a, that's a, sort of your average launch angle, and and average is not great because nothing is is a real strong continuum like that. But at the same yeah. time, you know, average uh, does tell you something about how often they're hitting it in the ground. And at minus five, that means they're not even they can't even. You know, hit it straight. They're just, with it's that. just that like is... pounding that into the ground. Yeah, and uh, and that's that's hard to lift. I think is there, there are some can... ground ballers that don't have as extreme. Like it's sort of back to that. You know, sixty percent ground ball, awesome. Fifty yes. percent ground ball, eh. It, it, it's. It, I was just about to bring that up about what what the number is. It, it's got to be upper fifties, if not just do sixty as the as the part where you really start to say, okay, this is a major difference. Is there anything you can look for in, say, um, pitch movement? That uh, that, that are, are there indicators there, or does that vary person to person? Like, do, do well, Stroman and and Keuchel have similar pitch movements on their on their two seamer that generates the, the the heavy ground balls? Like, anything there with the pitch movements? I do think there is something there, and what I think is missing is I think there's been a lot of focus on Y movement, on drop and ride. And I think that's because that's related to spin. And you look at the Rays. You look at Jacob Faria. This guy just had a great start. And he has he's so Rays. He's got a big old riding straight four seam that, that be jumps Tampa up in the Bay, zone. By the way. Huh? He couldn't be more Tampa Bay. He's such a perfect he, prospect. And, and then he even has like almost a screwball like Honeywell where he really turns over his changeup and it drops out of the place. And, you know, like Smiley before him, you know, these guys, they have a lot of up and down movement. They work up and down in the zone. They try to change eye levels and all that. That's great. That is also not uh, – that's great for whiffs. That's strikeouts. That's the three true outcome pitcher. The three true outcome pitcher that will not walk anybody because he has a straight fastball that he can locate in the zone. Mm-hmm. He's going to strike out a lot of batters because he has the high thing. He's going to get pop-ups, fly balls, and, and strikeouts. And then he's going to have the the ball that tumbles off the table, and you and your bat goes over it. However, horizontal movement has its own place. Horizontal movement is Carlos Martinez. Horizontal movement is Dallas Keuchel. Horizontal movement is even it's Jason true. Vargas. You know these yeah. these these guys that have that that moves it along the barrel, and that movement is related to ground ball rate. So you know there are guys. Sean Manaya. I think Sean Manaya is the opposite of Jacob Faria, and it's pretty obvious when you watch him. Shamanaya backfoots that big old curveball now, or, or slider, slurve, whatever it is. Yeah, he can manipulate it to look like both in any given 
Yeah, bad, and he, really. he he throws he throws a basically a slow breaking ball to the back foot of a right hander. Then he and, and that has like sweeping side to side Andrew Miller esque movement, not velocity. I'm not saying he's Andrew Miller. I'm just saying. You know, just you said Sean Mania is the starting pitching version of Andrew Miller, and he will perform like Andrew Miller, but over a full season, 210 innings, get Sean Mania everywhere, book it. That's what I heard. You guys heard it too. Put it on Twitter. Oh, but okay, I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm big on Mania in this case because it's almost a zig when people are zagging. You know, in in with everybody looking for strikeouts, just suppressing home runs could be can be a valuable thing too. So. You I know, love Manaya, by the way. And you look at Dylan Bundy versus Manaya. There's a lot of people asking me about those two. I think, in a way, I'd rather have Manaya because it's about to get real hot in in in, in Baltimore. Yeah. The ball really flies out of Baltimore, and Dylan Bundy has a riding fastball and that little cutter and a, and a changeup. He's more north south, so you know he may not he may not walk a lot of guys. Manaya might walk more people. But I believe in Manaya's home run suppression more than Bundy's. And well, then and you throw in health, and I wouldn't necessarily say either of them has been the picture of health. But anyway, I'm off track. What I'm saying is there are some times when a guy doesn't have the drop or the strikeouts that you want, but you he gives you that whiff of ground ball rate and really side-to-side movement. Those guys might be uh, under underrated. I don't know. I didn't think about This is coming out as I'm talking to you, so I don't know that I have... Yeah you know, the guys in my head here. But let me just do a horizontal movement on the sinker type uh, type thing. You're going to find Chris Sale number one. That's why he's so great is he gets God, dropped so and he has this great side-to-side. <laughs> stuff is so stupid. Like, it, it's... It's so good. Chris Sale is ridiculous. But, like, Ty Block is, a, is, a, is like, a secret great side-to-side guy, you know? Is that explaining terrible some of his success, then? Because... Well, also, his home park is decent, but... Yeah, well, he, I mean, he did get beat up a little bit by KC. You had to know one was coming soon. That's actually back-to-back, five against... Uh, in Milwaukee, which definitely wasn't surprising. Here's uh, a name. Go ahead. Kyle Freeland. Ooh, and he's been a mystery for people, too, because he's not really... He doesn't have the flashy component no stats. No strikeouts. Yeah. But, the, but the results have been there, even even in Coors at times. And maybe you're if you're regressing them to 1.4 home runs per nine, as Zip says, yeah, that looks real bad. But if you're if you regress him, if you just keep him where he is at home runs per nine, saying that you know he has this 58 percent ground ball rate, maybe there's something there. Uh, he's he's right now eighth in the league uh, with, with among. Um, I guess those are all lefties. Yeah, eighth in the league in in uh, in lefty you know side to side movement. That's that's interesting. Uh, I'm going to do it the other way to get righties. We've got uh, Gossman on the sinker, but he doesn't oh really throw the sinker that much. So um, Verlander, Chassin, Nova. I think that's. I think Nova is actually a, uh, Nova is in a way, in effect a different guy. You know, it's um, Nova is a Nova is a guy who's who who commands the ball isn't very north or south. I mean, he does have that curveball, but he also you know gets some ground balls. So I think and he mm-hmm. pitches in a great park for home run suppression. So. You know, Nova's yeah, a guy been, that we might have missed huge. in the past, you know. Um, you know, 14% strikeout rate has people running from Nova, and I get that in, like, an innings limit league or a K-9 league, but every other league, man, I, I, I believe in what he's – I don't know what that noise is, by the way, y'all. I think we're being overtaken here in the apartment complex, but uh, it'll be all right. No, uh, I'm just going to say it, you know. You're fine. Just maybe move back just a little bit from the mic. Oh, okay, you, were, okay. you were popping just a little bit, but you're good. Um, okay, let's move on from that. Uh, but still talk pitchers and, and give 
give your thoughts maybe related to this same sort of movement stuff. Charlotte's not having it. Uh, on Sunny Gray, you recently wrote a piece called Sunny Gray is a Mystery. Yesterday after, uh, evening, you sent Jason and I a text of a 94-mile-per-hour cutter that was so sexy that uh, Jason had to get out of the pool to look at it. He's like, that was worth getting out of the pool. I was lounging, having a good time, and I had to get out of the pool to watch that gif. What's going on with Sonny Gray? Yeah, you know, he's a very interesting guy, and he's actually refused to talk to me in the past about his slider because, and now I found out why, is because, you know, he has like five of them. And, you know, he definitely was... Oh wow, that's cool. Uh, he's got more than. Um, <laughs> what just happened? I dropped my phone on the on the desk. Okay. Uh, he's got more sliders than Adam Adovino. Yeah, I think so. I mean, because he he, he does throw the hard cutter that the cut fastball that Adam Adovino throws in very much the same way. I, you know, Sonny Gray wouldn't let me take a picture of it, but he basically just shifts the ball a little bit in his hand, just like Adovino does in the in the video on the piece, and that gives him you know movement and for him somehow he's able to still keep it at 94 and get the drop of your sort of your typical slider so Mm -hmm. you know it's it's a it's a really interesting pitch however it doesn't come out all the time and it's and i think i wonder you know can he do it all the time or and i don't think he can he even sort of admitted to me i get up there and i don't know what i'm gonna throw that day because i don't know what basically what i've got you know and i some pitchers say different day, different arm. That's fine. I was going to say, um, I, I think a lot of guys talk about that. When we talked to, to John Smoltz, he even said that you kind of break up your, your season in, in tens. You know, ten starts where you got your best stuff. Ten starts where you've got some of it, you know, a pitch or two. Um, and then other days when you, you might not have anything. You might have yeah. one good one pitch working at about 80% and you got to kind of grind it out. Uh, so I, I guess that kind of makes sense, especially if, if you are talking about Gray, who might have an arsenal that might be four pitches on our website, but plays out to be six, seven pitches based on how he manipulates them. And if you ask someone without looking at our website, they might say he has two. Exactly. <laughs> so, yep. you know, on some level, you're like, do I do I blink at Sunny Gray? And, you know, and do I just say, what do I feel Sunny Gray is? Fastball curve. That's it. You know? Do you know? Do I then you know deep go deep into the into his page and say, okay, well maybe there's two fastballs there, and uh, maybe two breaking balls, and he does throw some sort of changeup. Okay, so maybe he has five pitches, and then you go even deeper and you go, wait a second, he might have four breaking balls because he talked about throwing a hard curve that looks exactly like his regular curve, but he, he throws you know a little bit harder and it has the same movement. And then he talked about a slider that he throws at 89, and then he has this, this cutter at 94. So that could be four breaking balls, Jeez. and and you know, and then two fastballs and a changeup, you know. So then you're like, wow, he has a lot of pitches. So the the real question, in a way, is how many pitches does he have? And I wish I was better at math because there is one thing that I would love to do is sort of a cluster analysis where you you can actually ask the data itself how many clusters are here, you know. And I'd love the data to tell me. Oh, I have five pitches. Do we have somebody who can do that? Perhaps. Well, I'll look into it some more. I mean, it's it's something that I I should could probably learn about, and I'll I'll try. It's hard during the season, but in any case, I think he's a he's a fascinating case study for that. And then as a as an analyst, you know, you're like, okay, all right, where do I take this? I mean, in some ways, he he has a little bit of that Lance Lynn Jaime Garcia to him, 
where he can chop up the, the fastball and do all sorts of different things with it. So it's hard to say he has one or two or three fastballs or whatever it is. And maybe, and he, he there's a great line in that piece where he says, I love it that they're looking fastball because I can do, I can change it a little bit and, and they'll swing at it and it won't do what they want to do with the balls in play. Yeah. When you so, watch a gray, a sunny gray start, uh, you know, start to finish, you can kind of see, how he manipulates all these different pitches and and you might not the, the classification system doesn't necessarily give them all a distinct pitch but you can see it especially when he's on we've got some really interesting stats from this year four year high in in strikeout percentage at 24 percent uh just under the 26 percent that he had in his debut season a career high 11 percent swinging strike rate ground ball rate back up career high 57 percent he's always been in the low 50s low to mid 50s and he and he, he got his home run rate back down from last year it was at 1.4 last year it's at 0.95 this year and to your point uh, he allowed three in one game, and he's allowed two in the seven games since. So even that homer per nine, I don't think you want to take it face value. I guess my, my question here is, is Sonny Gray back to being somebody that we can trust in, say, the top 30 of pitchers? Because the results have been hit and miss, 437 ERA, 127 whip, but uh, – y- we we see flashes of the brilliance. The start where the 94 cutter came from was the start against Washington. Seven innings, three runs on four hits and three walks with six punch outs. I'll take that all day from Sonny Gray against a power lineup like that. Um, so where are you on, on Sonny Gray going forward as, as a fantasy asset? I, I think, I think I, this makes me want to go get shares. I mean, the, the strikeout rate is up. The swing strike rate is up. The ground ball rate is the best he's ever had. Mm-hmm. And those things all add up to, I think that there's slightly better days coming and maybe even better days than his projections say because his projections have never loved him and he now has a better strikeout rate than he than he's ever had uh, or, yeah, in, in a bigger sample. So, so you know, I, I see enough of a maturation. And also the biggest thing I think overall is that he said, I'm healthy now. You know, I I wasn't able to do all this chopping up before because I just wasn't healthy. I wasn't able to, you know, change the ball like I want to. So, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, it does take a... And then, of course, one of the comments on the piece is from Chris O'Leary, the pain guy, being like, it's the inverted W, and I... I just I, I throw up my hands. Maybe maybe he's shown enough injury concern where it's a you know it's an iffy buy in dynasty and keeper situations. But if you're just trying to win right now, I think that Gray has to be about as available. No one's probably you know if you're like building, you're not necessarily building on Sunny Gray anymore. No, and I think and even that, in redraft, I don't think you're. Yeah, I think he's probably attainable. He's not. He's attainable, and he could have slightly better days ahead of him, or he could have a lot better days ahead of him. Especially if he gets traded to the National League. If he gets traded to you know New York, that's another story. But as long as you're not giving up too much, I think this is a decent time to acquire Sonny Gray. Okay, I like it. Uh, You mentioned the name Angelton Simmons earlier. He had this crazy home run that uh, almost put Adrian Beltre's to shame when he does the one knee thing. Like, not only did Simmons go down to one knee, but he 
like fell over at the same time. Like it was, it, it, it was a different kind of one knee thing. He wanted to one up uh, Adrian Beltre, but you know, beyond that, he's having a really good season. A power surge here. I was watching a game. I think it was when they were playing the Tigers, which would make sense why I was watching it, or it could have just been one of those uh, late games that I, that I was watching after the Tigers. And they're talking about how he's been emulating uh, this Mike Trout guy. I don't really know anything about that Trout dude, but. Whatever he's doing is seems to be helping. Uh, I think his stance is a little bit more upright. He is going for for more power. Obviously, not. They made it sound like he wasn't explicitly saying, "Hey, I'm I'm trying to hit homers," but his pull uh, rate is way up. He's hitting the ball a lot harder. The 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 batted ball profile is exactly the same as last year. Uh, twenty line drive, fifty three ground ball, twenty eight. Well, there's a small tick in fly ball from twenty seven to uh, from excuse me from twenty six to twenty eight for for Angelton Simmons, but um, already has seven home runs and ten stolen bases. All of last year, he had four and ten respectively. So what's going on with Angelton Simmons, and how much of it are you buying? Yeah, I I like what he's doing. Uh, he's hitting the ball hard, and then also, you know, one thing that I think has always been an issue for him has been the infield fly ball, the pop up rate. Big and, time issue. You know, over the last three years, I think he's really cut that. So you know, there's been improvement that's come slowly as a hitter, and now he's kind of combining the lack of pop-ups with the best pull rate of his career. I mean, if you if you pull the ball and you're putting it straight in the air or on the ground as he was in 2013, then, you know, that's about the best outcome you can expect for for what he did in 2013. And that was also the year that he hit the most home runs. Mm-hmm. So now he's back to pulling the ball, but he's also not pulling it straight up and he's and he's pulling it with, you know, a decent a decent stroke in some ways, you know, some ways about 2013, but also he hit a lot more fly balls in 2013. So there's somewhere he's somewhere in between on that. But uh, you know, as far as being able to hit, you know, 15 home runs this year, yeah, yeah, I think he can do that. And I How think he can bases? steal. He's 10 for 12 right now. He was 10 for 11 last year. Excellent efficiency after uh, you know being really inefficient and just getting a, a, a chip in and stolen base. Aren't they going to run? Because that's what that's what got, was my next point exactly. The Angels are running, man. They got Mabin, they got Angelton. They're trying to generate offense while Trout is out. Um, I feel like the green light is there for Angelton Simmons. Can he get twenty five, or is that too aggressive? Yeah, I mean, he hasn't done that since twenty eleven. Uh, at the same time, he's always he's a, he's that was a high in the minors. By the way, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. you. that was in the minors. Yeah, yeah. So the and and it was an A ball when sometimes people just run for the F of it and the catcher's <laughs> pitcher can't doesn't go, so. look. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, whatever, dude. I'm working on this changeup. I really don't care. Yeah, right. Exactly. No one's tracking my stolen bases against. <laughs> so so I I think uh, I think I would cap it. At, you know, at twenty. I, I, if the, we if we had an over under, it'd be nineteen and a half or something. So okay. You know, I and I think I might take the under. However, you know, you look up at the end of the season, it's going to be very close to a 2020 season with a, at least a 280 average, I think. And Amazing contact guy, too. So if he didn't cost up, you a darn. So, uh, you know, he's, I, I. He's still available. I, you can still go get Angelton Simmons in a lot of mixed leagues. I guarantee it. Yeah. And I think, you know, given the fact that we can get power everywhere. The fact that he might steal 20 bases is probably the most important thing, actually. I mean, we're talking about power. The power is nice because it brings him to the table, right? You can't you can't play Anderson Simmons for 20 stolen bases when he hits four home runs. 
No. But if it's 20 home runs, then you can play him because you're playing him for the 20 stolen bases and the treading water in the home run department. And so, you know, I think that in that case, like, should we play or would you rather? I mean, like, what, what sort of um, ownership rates are we talking about here? Let me give you that answer. I'm on a CBS site right now. So let's you are see on CBS. I'm on Yahoo. Okay. I got uh, So CBS generally caters to, to deeper leagues. Yahoo's kind of closer in the middle, and then ESPN will be the smallest. So he's only 65% at CBS leagues. So I'm imagining uh, – I think you're going to come in with 32% owned there you go. in Yahoo. And let me get ESPN really quickly while we have it, and then I'll get you some shortstops for comparison with Angleton Simmons. Or do we want to get steals, guys? Or shortstops first? Yeah, shortstops. Well, first. we'll do shortstops. So fifty-three percent uh, at ESPN. Go ahead. You know, uh, Brandon Crawford or Anderson Simmons. Boy, it's funny you mentioned. It's really funny you mentioned that name because I've been holding out hope on Simmons. Not that I drafted him anywhere this year. I'm not pretending like, hey, I, on Crawford, I knew this you mean? was coming. No, no, no. On Simmons, hoping that he would go Brandon Crawford, meaning that he would kind of learn more to hit. More 15 to 20 homers yeah. more than the stolen bases. Figure out how to hit because he got so much playing time at the major leagues because of his glove. I was yeah. hoping for like a late 20 surge, and, and we are getting that. I'm actually going to go Simmons because of the steals. I think those steals are just too damn precious. Yeah, I think they'll end up with you know 15 homers each, and then... I'd rather have the stone bases, and Brand Crawford's not, you know, going to hit 300 probably. So, yeah, that one's uh, fairly easy for me. It gets harder above him. Crawford is at 43 to 32 okay. for Simmons. So, if I start talking about DD Gregorius or Aledmus Diaz, it gets a little bit harder. Gregorius, that offense right now, man, I want any piece of that offense it's in a lot terms of, of fantasy. It's really good, and he I has like him 50, as well. He has, he has, uh, he has a lot. He has he has ten more runs than. Um, oh, actually, he's about the same as Crawford. That's weird. Oh, okay. In the wrong place. That's weird. He has the same runs and home runs as Crawford. Crawford does have twenty more at bats, so I guess it's still somewhat uh, well, impressive. And, I mean, Didi's hitting three thirty seven. I, I know we don't expect him to keep hitting three thirty seven, yeah. but um, you know, he hit twenty homers last year with seven stolen bases. If he starts running a little bit again and at least gets back up, you know, pushing double digits with. 20-something homers, I think, again. Gregorius versus Angleton is tough. I'm going to stick with Angleton, barely, but I, I that's the coin toss. Like, I'm the the stolen bases from Angleton are actually more rare than what Didi's going to do. I mean, if you want Didi, if you want power from your, your shortstop, you can go get Crawford. You can go get Tim Beckham, maybe. You can go get Aledmus Diaz. A more bona fide yeah. power source, you're saying. Or or as, as much of one. So if Simmons doesn't steal those bases and you want to go back to power or whatever, like it's just in terms of rarity and scarcity. Yes. You know, in some ways Simmons is more scarce. I mean, look at, let's just do short stops with, uh, with 10 stolen bases. Uh, you know, other than Simmons, there's Reyes. Nobody wants you. <laughs> uh, Jose Peraza, who I actually traded for in a keeper league, just because I think the reds of all teams will continue running out a defensive guy with terrible OBP. Just let him so, keep running. Yeah. Cause I was yeah. going to say, why, why would you do that? But I, I, I could see it just, they got to give him the PT. They traded Brandon Phillips. At least, at least they got Jeanette to come over because he's been good. But imagine if Jeanette was terrible and they just let Brandon Phillips go for nothing. And Peraza has been horrible. But yeah, uh, so, thankfully that hasn't really bitten them like that. Um, yeah, I, 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 would, I take I Peraza because I think I, I think Peraza can steal you know thirty bags on the year. So there's okay. a difference there. Uh, I might. I think that's you know if you do if you need your steals but you need the power, 
then you could take Simmons. But Peraza, 68% owned. He's the guy who, if, if anybody hits 30 in any between the two of them, Simmons and Peraza, and 30 in one of these categories, home runs or steals, it's going to be Peraza hitting 30 steals. So That's completely um, fair. I think that's a use more a little bit more useful there, but I think it's 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 uh it's really interesting because you have that's it. I mean, it's it. You don't want Reyes. You've got Simmons. There's Peraza. VR is hurt. Elvis Andrews is is too, too everybody's got him. Yeah, Nunez Turner. Nunez everybody's got him. Turner's everybody got him. You got three. Everyone got him. You got Peraza who may if you're on a ten team league may be on the wire, but it's probably not. And then you got Simmons. So if I you got want for you. short got- stolen bases from your shortstop position, that's what you're you, – that or picking up a, if someone dropped a, a hurt Segura, that's it. I got one for you. Although I know he's he's pretty widely owned, but I just want to hear the comparison for you anyway. Chris Owings versus Anderson Simmons. I know Owings had an amazing first month. Still hitting two ninety six with seven homers, nine stolen bases. He's been good. Um, but, of course, so, so has Simmons. So – if you look across the board, they're pretty much the same. Owings got some more RBIs. Um, Andrelton has some more runs scored. You know, the the one stolen base difference, same homers, batting average, 281 versus 296, isn't that different when you factor in the uh, the plate appearances. So who would you prefer rest of season between Simmons and Owings? I think Owings stopped stealing bases. Didn't he get hurt? I don't know if it was a low. I thought he had what a. What is going on here? I thought he got nicked. Did. Thought he got nicked on something. Where is, Where is he on this page? He's not on this Chris. page because I, oh, because is it? Wait, I just did last thirty and he just disappeared. He stopped playing in the last thirty. No, oh, no, next twenty-five. No, he, he must retired. have stopped. He must have stopped. Yeah, one stolen base. So two sixty-six with two homers, sixteen RBI. Fine, he's playing ninety-four uh, at bats. There, there was no injury in the last month. That. There was no injury. No, but he just stopped. He stopped stealing bases. So in the last month, he has one stolen base, where Simmons has seven. So, I mean, if you ask me who I'd rather have, I this is I think that's the hardest one. I think that's right where Simmons is. Because and if Owings you need is... more stolen bases, I mean, Owings always has that nice positional eligibility. But if you're not using him like that, and he's just your shortstop, he's in a I great lineup. He's in a great lineup, though. That helps. Better park for home runs. Better oh, history yeah. of home. Nah, you know what? Does Owings necessarily have a lot more history for home runs? I mean, no. there's. Yeah, I mean, we, we we think that he's doing better now because he's healthy and he can finally finish his his swing off. But uh, he never hit more than seven. He's at a career high right now in the major league. So correct. Um, and so you know, bat, stolen bases you can give them. You can feel more comfortable about him getting the twenty to twenty five for Owings than you can Andrelton, but. I agree I with you. I think it's really tough. I think that one stolen base in the last month is kind of da- damning. I mean, that's that suggests that either he's doing something different or something in his wheels is hurting or the team wants him more for power or he's changed position in the lineup. I mean, that, that's an interesting question. Let me see Has if he's changed? done that. Yeah, I got playing? that for you. Hang on. Game log, batting average, or batting order position. Um, Yeah, he was... He's actually he bounces around two seven yeah. five a lot based on the pandedness of the of the batter. That's what I pitcher. figured. Uh, yeah. A lot of fives lately though. This month hasn't batted higher than, than that. Must four. be against righties. So he's so he's moved up in the order against righties. I think that might actually have something to do with steals. Yeah, because if you're the fifth hitter as a, against righties, you're driving batters in, and that explains his RBI 
advantage. They're and if you're the seventh hitter, you're stealing in front of either in front of a, a bunt attempt or in front of a pitcher or in front of an eight hitter. Yeah. So his stolen bases by batting order this year for Chris Owings. Four batting number two in 17 games. Against he got lefties. one in his one game batting third. One in five games batting fourth. Two in 15 games batting fifth. And that's the big disparity there, right? Between two and five. Yeah. So, yeah uh-huh. you, you see the doubling of the stolen bases. And, and of Simmons course, is in the same spot all the time, and he and they're going to ask him to run. So I, I'm, uh, I made my mind up. I want Simmons over Owings, but it's close. I agree. Very, very close, and I think I'm going to go with you because I'm, I'm kind of on this Simmons thing. All right, let's move on to uh, some pictures from a piece that Jeff Zimmerman wrote today on declining velocity, guys. And I think there's some interesting guys in here that uh, are worth getting your assessment on the rest of the season. They, are, they all have dropped velocity since the season started. He didn't have a great outlook for most of them. Obviously, with the, with the main thrust being a velocity decline, you're going to have some concern. But uh, Gio Gonzalez, Joe Biagini, Scott Feldman, and Mike Fultonevich are, are the guys on there. I want to focus more on, on Gio and, and Biagini because I think those are the guys that are getting more widely used right now. So Gio Gonzalez has had a really interesting season. And just as Jeff says, I, I totally agreed when I was reading. I was like, he's like, of the guys I'm looking today, Gonzalez is the toughest to get a read on. And I agree. I really don't know what to make of what Gonzalez has been doing this year um, and then when you're talking about dropping velo the walks are back up the strikeout rate is meh selling. how do you feel about it? you're selling him okay so hard i mean i think look at that uh walk rate look at the home run rate look at the career low swinging strike rate look at the batting average on balls in play being you know the lowest it's been in the last five years and he's Look at the age, you know, 32. So his factors, his positive factors for Geo are 291 ERA, but the 132 whip says that that's a fraud. And then the 5-1 record being part of the Nationals. Career low strikeout rate. I think. Uh, not necessarily career low, but But like a seven-year low. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you can actually get something for him, though, because of the desperation of the pitching market, right? Yeah, and so, that's why I would be selling him, too. I mean, I think you could probably find something. Like, for example, Joe Biagini. I might take Joe Biagini going forward. And, yes, he's gone down two since he started. However, that's obvious. Why? It's not that he's hurt. It's that he's starting. Transitioned, yeah. And, and yeah. So he had that velocity right out of the bullpen, but he started to slowly lose it. And Jeff compared it to Danny Duffy, who did the same thing, which, again, makes total sense, right? It fits logically that you would kind of start to deteriorate as you add to your pitch count and everything as he gets further stretched out. But you're still talking about a guy who, you know, is going to be sitting, what, 92, 93, as opposed to 94. I don't know that that's such a bad thing for Joe B. I think you can still have success there um, in, in that range. Now, the one thing that he did point out, uh, Jeff did, was the swinging strike rate goes way down. Like, it's just a, a really heavy correlation, which, again, makes sense. But for him specifically, it, it's really heavy. As the velocity comes down, that swinging strike rate goes goes way. Yeah, but down. he's got a decent ground ball rate, sixty percent. Uh, whoa, 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 decent. We yeah, just I mean, got done saying that that's yeah. fantastic. So yeah, that's. I, I, mean, I love it, that. I just wanted to point it out. Is what I meant. It's it's, it's a good number. And uh, when I look at him, I also don't see a guy that necessarily needs to depend on the velocity because he's got four legitimate pitches all over. 15 percent 14 15 percent in terms of usage all with decent velocities of their own decent movements you know they there's a little bit a little bit of a worry that 
the pitches kind of don't differentiate themselves enough that he's uh, a little, that he's little a little bit hard. Yeah, kind of like what we were talking about with Sonny Gray, where it's like, you know, how many pitches do you have if if uh, you're just making little changes on each one? But uh, he did say that the cutter is in the process of changing a little bit more to a slider because he's actually changed his release point, so it's a little bit more over the top. And that's explained why the cutter has done so badly for him this year. And he thinks he he thinks he can go back to it being more of a slider and it being more of a of a a, a good pitch for him. So if the if the if the slider comes together, the slider is the one that's given up all the homers. I mean, you know, he shouldn't throw the sinker very often. It it's given up homers. But the only two pitches that have given up homers are the sinker, which he throws twenty seven times times thrown twenty seven times this year and is not like an important part of his arsenal. And then the other one is the cutter. Those are the only two ones that have literally, the only two ones that have given up home runs. And since he talked to me for like five minutes about what he's doing about the slider, I would tend to focus on the fact that his changeup has 18% whiffs, his curve has 14% whiffs, the cutter has possibly this upside that he's talking about, the fastball, you know, I don't think he's a bad fastball guy. 7% whiffs is about average. At 93, he's going to be a little bit slightly above average in velocity. He has a little bit above average rise. So I don't think he's a bad fastball guy. That's if I'm wrong, team, by the way. if I'm wrong, he's a bad fastball guy. But it's looking at Gio Gonzalez as a bad fastball guy. So, mm-hmm. you know, if we're if we're talking about selling Gio Gonzalez and picking up Biagini, I'm saying, you know, I think it's six of one and a half dozen of the other. You might as well sell Gio and and go hunting uh, if if that's the if that's the situation. So I'm you know I don't know maybe maybe this is out of bounds. I was gonna say maybe maybe you could be in a deal. It would have to work out this way, right? If you have Gio, you go find the Biagini owner and you make a trade where it's a two for two, but you get Biagini back, and maybe they think that they're getting rid of the lesser pitcher, mm-hmm. and and you could almost say, hey, you know, uh, I'm looking to get this hitter. First and foremost, and then you throw in be a genie, and I'll throw in this hitter. I don't know. Maybe they're. Too and I mean, close. also there's there's plenty of leagues where one owned and not the other. I mean, be a genie in Yahoo's twenty five percent, and Geo is uh, eighty five. So and that makes sense. Pretty, He's done the pretty big difference. And yeah. uh, he has name yeah. name recognition. Okay. Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk mostly about about those two again. Fulty. Fulty Navage is that's really actually concerning because, like I've said, I get a little bit of a Cashner vibe off him. Oh. It's and too I, accurate, by the way. It really is because it's not not good command. Neither one of them has good command, and like kind of that just good enough uh, results on the secondary pitches to make us think that he had um, secondary pitches. But I think if you kind of watch him, it's 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 all about that fastball. And um, uh, as the velo yeah. comes down, and it's straight as an arrow, man. And 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 Jeff yeah. hits on this. And if you watch yeah. him at for any length, you see that. That he can throw 97 at times, but man, you know, it, it, it's just so straight, and, and major leaguers are going to hit it. And I do like his secondary stuff when he's on. The slider can look great, and then you got the the curveball coming in like eight miles an hour slower. And you want to get excited about Fulty, which I was coming into the season. I'll, I'll fully cop to that. But watching him now, uh, you know, I haven't watched all of his uh, 13 starts, but you know, watching a handful of them, I'm just. Uh, I'm I'm just not seeing it. This is gonna be a guy that if he if he busts through at like age 27, 28 as a starter, I'll say okay, you, you had to have made drastic changes because as it is right now, it's not going to work that way. And I'm with Jeff that I think at this point you got to get into the bullpen to where uh, he could be nasty. I mean, because now you're throwing 98, 
uh, with the slider at, at 85, and I think that that would be that would be an effect. And you can still dip in the curveball, right? Like it, I don't think he has to get rid of the curveball. I think the beauty of relieving for Fultonevich would be letting the fastball eat a little bit more um, and, and hopefully amping the velocity and maybe adding some movement to it. So I don't know. I think yeah. Fulte's a, a, a bullpen guy. And, you know, and that's where he, that's where prognosticators said he was headed. And, yep. Back when he was know. with Houston, for sure. And and sorry, Scotty Felds, but I just I, I don't have a have a lot to say about you. You guys can read Jeff's article for, for, for old Scotty Felds. Move, uh, move on. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got. I'm sorry. We got. We got to talk about Aaron Judge for crying out loud. Aaron oh, Judge. Aaron is Judge. You the beast. beast, dude. Oh God, God, is he making me look stupid? Because I just was not in, man. We saw him in Arizona Fall League. It looked like he was swinging underwater. Giant strike zone. You know, 44% strikeout rate last year. I just wasn't seeing where this guy was going to break through, and he has been an absolute monster. I remember when the when the Giancarlo Stanton, Stanton comps were being thrown on him, I said, that's so unfair to that kid to do that to anybody just based on his size alone. Um, you shouldn't be doing that. And now, you know, it's a 61-game run, but this run is looking better than, I wouldn't say anything that Stanton's done, but looking as good as as, as Stanton's best 60 game peak it's looking a lot like Giancarlo Stanton before we get into trading him and all that why don't you just give me your assessment on what we've seen from Judge so far and, and kind of what you expect going forward he's changed a little bit I mean he's he's not uh, he used to have his back shoulder higher mm-hmm. and you know his stance has changed a little bit um, I think that it's made him better at covering the zone. He has like a 500 slugging on balls in low and away quadrant inside the zone. Wow! It's just like what? How did? How do you do what? That's but insane. that's where he's using his this, his size to his advantage, right? Like it's yeah, he should be able to cover the outside part of the plate because of long levers. Mm-hmm. So um i'm having a really difficult time because i i lucked into a share of aaron judge because we have this league the pitchfork i'm in a league with the pitchfork guys pitchfork music mm-hmm. and we have these you, you're allowed to protect two minor leaguers for free um you know alongside your regular five minor leaguers a lot of people have these kind of leagues and so i had two minor leaguers and one of them was judge and i just thought you know why not you know why not this Might as well. all the big prospect we'll this see. is not yeah it's a, one of the better prospects is one of those and i picked him up like in season as a prospect so i was like i actually traded away prospects to try and make a run at it and so that i didn't have any prospects and i was like aaron judge is out there sure i'll pick him up so i got lucky and i'm not saying that i knew things that other people didn't know um, and I'm not going to take credit for it. But now I'm in this position where, again, I'm sort of middle of the pack, and my keeper's set is is pretty nice in terms. I have Donaldson and Seeger on the on the infield. Um, so your veteran pieces that that you can kind of be that are foundational. Wait, which Seager? yeah, Corey. Corey. Okay, that's what I thought. That so I, I'm in love with that. So you got young and old. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about Donaldson. That's true, sure, but 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 you have Seager to kind of back that up. The dude is is he's so not young and super so awesome. old, and you know, going into next season, let's say you'd say you're just you're hopeful that you're in contention because he's going to have the healthy season, right? So you got Donaldson and Seager. I don't really have any complaints there. Not a lot of speed in the outfield right now. I've got Mazzara, Judge, Polanco, um, Sorry, Judge Polanco, and. Uh, did I trade Conforto? I might, I might not have Conforto. Did the Mets fan trade Conforto? I, I did. 
Um, I think they heard us. Mazzara, <laughs> Mazzara, Polanco, and Judge. So actually, I could. That would be my keeper set because we can have five. I'm not going to okay. keep a pitcher. Finally, uh, I've been trying to get rid of the pitcher keeper, but I hadn't had it. But I've Mazzaro, Judge, Polanco, Donaldson, Seager. My five, and they're mostly in the tens and the twenties in terms of rounds. It's those round keeper situations, right? Okay. Judge is like an amazing keeper because he'll be like a twenty twenty fifth round keeper next year. That's awesome. That is so, so awesome. The trout owner comes calling. Dun dun dun. And he's right. contending, I presume? He's contending. He wants everything that's not nailed down. I can keep my <laughs> keeper set, right? I can keep my keeper set, but he wants my sale and you know all these guys. Uh, and what's also interesting, just to make this even harder, is that this is a, a league where we have an H a head to head results and roto results. In what? Roto, yeah. So there's a head-to-head title, and then there's a roto title. That's pretty cool. I kind of and that. in head-to-head, I'm I am four and one and have a chance uh, as good as any other. Except it's two week segments. I was about to ask why the hell are you four and one, but then you immediately yeah, explain it's it. okay. two week segments. So if I'm not like if I'm not good enough, it over a two week segment, it gets a little bit more obvious, right? It's a little bit less fluky. Cream rises so, to the top a little bit more when you when you got the two two and degree. cream is. Right at the top right now because all the buyers are buying and all the sellers are selling. Okay, so it's the the league is stratifying. Right. Big so time. if I was okay before and I don't do a lot of buying, I did a little bit of buying. I went and bought Adam Jones for uh, for some prospects. You know, if I don't if I don't do any more buying, he's going to get this deal from somebody else where he he gives away Trout and he gets everything he wants. He gets one keeper plus everything he wants. And what he wants from me is like sale and Roberto Asuna and you know all the stuff that can help him win. Absolutely. And and I would a- give as it to he him. Should ask right? Of course. Like we're and not. Of blasting. course, the ask is Judge. It's Judge in the twenty twenty first round, plus all these things that don't matter for Trout in the seventh round. And it's an LFCF RF league, so you know Trout as, as a, a CF fielder is huge. yeah. Is is pretty big because Polanco and Mazzara are not center fielders. Well, I was going to say I, though, if I keep uh, Mazzara, Polanco, and Judge, I'm keeping a utility player. Yeah, Polanco has some hidden value because left field's tough, and he's a left fielder, right? Yeah, but Mazzara plays in left in this one. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, Never mind. Not, what I do like about Polanco is that he managed to still seal seven bases in basically a lost season. He still probably managed to get to ten twenty, I think, uh, by the end of the season. And I don't. I'm not lost of hope for him long term. I think there's no, been some neither. injury problems this year, um, some adjustment problems. So um, I'm really sad about about his season. And the it was completely dampened right before the season started when the drafts had already happened. And I and I'd gotten my. But well, I guess there had been a few drafts that I didn't. I could avoid him. But with the shoulder cropping back up and, and it being a long term uh, something he had before with Polanco. It just put a real big damper on on what I was hoping to see as a big breakout season. I was so geeked on him. One thing I do like is he is striking out less, keeping his walk rate the same, but the results just really aren't there right now. Uh, like you said, seven stolen bases. So an easy keeper for the situation that you're in, but certainly not to the level that we were hoping for. Yeah, I mean, if I don't keep him, then um, I have to keep a pitcher, and my, my choice is basically DeGrom, um, no. who hasn't... It no. isn't blowing my so- you know blowing my socks off in terms no. of uh, uh, me-, me wanting to go keep him. 
Yeah. Um, okay, so let's get back to the heart of this trade. Anyway, so the, the question is, you know, what's Judge going to do uh, next year? What's he going to do the rest of this year? The projections for him for the rest of the year. Oh, and in this league, uh, this league counts strikeouts. As a negative against pitchers. Yeah. Okay, or against hitters. Yeah. That is an interesting wrinkle because, by the way, I, I just wanted to – disabuse everybody of the notion that trout still has a strikeout problem that has lingered for some folks no uh, i've actually run into it twice this just this week randomly of of two different folks saying well yeah but trout strikes out too much too that is gone that's that's gone now for two years this this is old uh, old fake news uh of mike trout he had that 26 percent strikeout rate it chiseled it down to 23 the next year, and he's been at 20% since. That's amazing for the power production that he has. Meanwhile, yeah. Judge is at 28% this year. Uh, the projections still have him for 30%. You know, uh, what are your thoughts on the, these projections? I think, it- I, I'm, I think I'm talking myself into it because, I, you know, I think I believe those projections, there's, they're very close. They're all agreeing with each other to the mo- to most part, which is mm-hmm. that he's going to hit 260 with 20 home runs the rest of the way. And that's going to be great because in the end, it'll still be like a 310 average. With 40 and homers, yeah. He'll win the he'll win an MVP probably. Um, but if you kind of take away what's happened and you just look at the projections and say, okay, this is a 260-40 home run guy – in a league where you know your kind of average slot, your average guy hits like twenty five homers, it's good, right? If if he's like a two, it's really good. But it's it's also in terms of rarity, it's also a left fielder who with power as opposed to a center fielder that might go thirty thirty next year. Exactly, and and won't have a strikeout, won't have any negatives. Trout won't have any negatives. However, the only the only negative Trout does have is he'd be in the sixth round, as opposed to Judge, you know, fourteen rounds later. Well, so I think it might have to be a mathematical season. question. I might have to, you know, just take the rest of season projections and try to value them in our league and and, and try to do it that way. But I'm tempted by it. I'm very tempted by it. I, I think that. You kind of have to clear your mind sometimes of what has happened. As much as Judge is great, and as much as we'll look up at the end of the season, he'll win an MVP. It doesn't mean that he's a three thirty hitter. Can I hone in on that a little bit? So you have him. At, I mean, obviously he's the front runner right now. There's no doubt about that. But you have because like, obviously, like you said, the the, the even the regressed uh, numbers the rest of the way. You put him at two sixty with twenty yaks. Like you said, that's about three twenty or three ten average forty something homers. With hundred hundred, I'm sure on the on the runs RBIs, and then even the chip and steals, he's probably going to get like ten stolen bases. So, I understand that uh, that he's the front runner right now, but that's 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 kind of breaking news there that you have Aaron. Well, Judge. he's so far out. I mean, and yeah, also you really have to look is. out who he's far out of. He's one and a half wins ahead of Mookie Betts, and if the Red Sox don't make the playoffs, Mookie Betts is not the MVP. No, because that would that would be the decider. Because even if Betts kind of gets catches up to him in WAR. Writers, even writers that are in on on war and everything, they would use the t- the playoff thing as the tiebreaker. Yeah, which I'm actually then, okay with. I know that's not great to judge uh, an individual award on your other 24 guys, but as a tiebreaker, it doesn't offend me as much as when you use it as the the sole driver yeah, of yeah, your yeah. Uh, pick. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, because then you could be talking about WPA and 
how much win probability you actually added and stuff like that. Exactly. So yeah, uh, Jose Altuve is you know 1.5 wins behind. He's probably the the biggest one. But if you've got a guy who hit 300 and went 20 20, as opposed to a guy who hit 300 and went 40 10. Um, I think you're taking the guy, you know, there'd be too many old schoolers saying he has 120 RBI and, um, even no, the no, new no. schoolers will say he has more war. I, I know, got the pick, dude. You, you, you're that? way off on this. I got the pick. His teammate, same first name. It's obviously going to be Aaron, Aaron Hicks. Hicks. Oh, I mean, Aaron he's the Hicks closest, but I'm just like, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so, Tim. No, I love Aaron Hicks, and I'm super geeked that he's having a really good year, but uh, that is tongue firmly planted yeah. in cheek. <laughs> How about this? The guy that you could be trading for, Mike Trout, he's at 3.3. He is actually the closest if you take off the qualified plate appearances. He's talking about coming back right around the All-Star break. Does he still make a run at it, or does the missed time give Judge the advantage? I think the missed time hurts him two ways. It hurts him in his own counting stats, and it hurts his team to the point where they're going to be last place or whatever. Yeah. And it's, I mean, if he came back and powered them into a, a wild card, you get the narrative. Oh, that'd be bananas. Uh, uh, he would definitely be, win it. Yeah, I think maybe if you could, if he could get to some good counting numbers like if you could keep it at 300 and get to like 2020 and have missed you know all that time and you know power his team into the playoffs in the last second that could that could back if he comes back around the all-star break he's already got 16 bombs he could hit 30 still like for for the run that we're talking about like he could hit he could hit 30 with 20 stolen bases wow if he ends up with a 330 20 season i'm just saying I'm just saying, dude. He's superhuman, and whatever PEDs he's taking to get back by the All Star break, I'm I'm bored. No, that's not fair because Anderson Simmons had the same injury and was You're out right. five weeks. You're right. You're right. That's not fair. Plus, I love Mike Trout, but Angelton. But there is the, the question also of of Did the Angleton rounds. Simmons give him oh, in, wait, my, in my in my in my question. There's the the rounds. It's like it's You want rounds. the best player in baseball in the sixth round, or yes, you do, do you want you know. the the tenth best player in baseball? Is he the tenth best player? Is not, this probably a, not a two sixty forty, right? Is this a new level or let me do rest of season projections to see how many people are, are projected for uh twenty homers. Steamer rest of season, twenty homers. Stanton, Sano, Machado, Harper, Rizzo, Arenado, Cruz. I haven't even gotten to judge. You Jesus. haven't sent somebody that isn't better than him yet, by the way. Right? In my opinion. Well, Cruz. I'd take Judge over Cruz. I would take Judge over Cruz long term. And probably Even next year. Okay. If we had a draft. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he's a million. Cruz can Rizzo, be done in a day. Rizzo might be below. I've always been a little bit negative on Rizzo compared to the market. So I think that that's fair. I I, I do like. Uh, I, but I've been, we didn't get to Bryant. Um, we didn't get to Bryant. You said Harper, uh, right? And then Springer, who adds steals. Yeah, don't sleep on Judge with six though. That I mean, that it's not like game changer. But if he ends up with with twelve to thirteen, you know, that's a pretty yeah, nice yeah. add no, no, on to forty yeah. stolen bases. <clears throat> but I do think that people take Stanton, Machado, and Harper over him. So, uh, and pro- maybe Sano. If Sano hits forty and plays third base, you know, so, Sano has a. Very similar line in some ways. I mean, I was just a lot ask, of walks, a lot of strikeouts, 250. What's the difference you know? between them? The third base versus, versus, I mean, 
maybe next year when we look back, I think, or when we look forward instead of instead of back, I think Sano might just be like one above Judge because of third base eligibility. So you think he'd be above? Okay, because I'm saying like maybe Sano, who I've also been uh, a little bit negative on as as being a bit overrated. Um, Judge is getting all the hype right now. It, it, aren't they pretty damn similar then? I, I guess you're agreeing with that. Yeah. I'm agreed. I would say Stanton, Machado, and Harper are easy above. Easy above. I think maybe Bryant. Maybe Donaldson. Bryant for sure, man. I'm sorry. Donaldson's had a hurt year. Donaldson's had a hurt year. Let's let's say he's 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 back in that sort of Cruz, uh, Miguel Cabrera kind of old old guy kind of maybe on their way out. So you probably put them behind him. So we're talking about Stanton, Sano, Machado. Uh, Harper or Stanton Machado Harper boom Bryant okay so we got four players ahead of him plus Trout so we got five players ahead of him so we're talking about do I want the sixth best player or the seventh best player in the 20th round or the first best player in the in the sixth round you don't have guys I mean it seems like in some ways that's an obvious answer take all the rounds of value however you know things like this aren't linear you know there's exactly. only one best player, exactly. you know, and, and, and he he's could the be, guaranteed he, best, and he could be, you know, twenty percent ahead of of number two, right? It doesn't mean that he's super close to number two. In and fact, what about the fact that Trout is so is so good that there's nobody like even Harper with his good season. I'm I'm sorry, Trout is number one for me next year. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. Uh, and even I'm, with I'm, the I'm injury with you too. I, I I tried the make Harper number one thing. I love Harper. But he's going to be number two. Uh, uh, Trout's going to be number right. one. What about the it, within that fourteen rounds? Uh, the probability factor of like Trout as Finding the number one guys. guy, we feel really good about. Judge as a top ten guy, I'm pretty sketchy on. You seem a little bit more certain, but like the probability there, like isn't there a lot of volatility to Judge with that strikeout rate? Hasn't Miguel Sano kind of mm. shown that with a little bit longer of a track record to say that like yes, he does crush the ball. Um, he has taken walks, and I don't think it's just like I, I think some of it. The fifteen percent walk rate for Judge is teams pitching around him a little bit. Some of it, but I also think that there's plenty of it of of him laying off of stuff and 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 sharpening up and being better. Right? I'm not going to just say it's all on on pitchers laying off of him. Judge is definitely better. But, it's also what what would a what would eighty percent of Trout cost on the market, and what would eighty percent of Judge cost? Eighty percent of Judge seems like Mark Chris Trumbo. Davis. It's exactly. Mark Trumbo, and, Chris Davis, what's the diff? Yeah, there's a bunch of those guys. And maybe maybe Eric Thames next year, right? Yes, so, yes. You know, there's a bunch of those guys. 80% of Trout is what? Like a 280-25-25 center Marte fielder? when he's healthy and, and not cheating. I mean, There's yeah. not a lot of guys like that. No. Who Who's this? Like, especially with a center field only situation like that, I don't... You know, you know, with Adam Jones falling off and stuff, it's just uh, like I'm going to click CF here and I'm going to click home runs the rest of season. And, yeah, Adam Jones is equal to him in home runs projected rest of season because he has more ABs. Marcelo Zuna. Okay, but Marcelo Zuna doesn't have the steals. So nope. Mookie Zero. Betts. Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is 80% of Trout. Yeah, that's crazy. But that's he's the only guy, and Mookie Betts probably costs – Mookie Betts might, if he ends up the season... I think Mookie Betts is ahead of Judge, man. Yeah. In that that ranking there, to be honest. Right. Especially if he turns it on, like there's been a little bit more power recently, and he ends up 25-25 center fielder. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. We haven't seen the big run from from Betts yet. Like I'm not yeah. I'm not sweating him at all right now. I think uh, I might do this trade, man. I, I would do it, man. And like, like you are selling at the what peak. If, and then of judge. and then I'm talking. And then like, yeah, maybe I take a hit in head to head. But in roto, I'm kind of middling anyway. And then next year, I've got a keeper set that starts with Trout, Seager, and Donaldson. <laughs> That's so dumb, dude. That's three first rounders. I know yeah. Seager was like a second rounder this year, but I think it almost doesn't matter what rounds I'm round. keeping those guys in, right? It's like exactly. I got three first rounders to start. Exactly. My worst so I, keeper becomes Polanco, but at least my outfield is Mazzara, Trout, Polanco, which is something I can get behind. I totally agree. Because yeah. I'm still going to be super hyped on Mazzara. He's heating up again, by the way, I think, yeah. uh, as of recently. And then if Polanco's healthy, that, obviously that's going to be a big if with the shoulder. But if we can get some measure of health, I, I'm still going to be projecting right, nobody, a big breakout. Nobody cares about your fantasy team. But, you know, hopefully we talked a lot, a lot, a lot of names that people do oh, care yeah, about. Oh, yeah, I think people we understand pro- we that. We were basically projecting a first round for next year. So. Exactly. We're talking more about <laughs> all these different players and how Judge is going to be the rest of the year under the, under the uh, you know, guys of talking about your team. I wouldn't, well, I can't I wouldn't wait for my Twitter feed to be like, you're going to trade Judge, you idiot. No, dude. I, I, think, I think our listeners are smart enough to say, <laughs> you're trading Judge at the peak of his value. He will never be better. That is... That, that is the smartest bet to say that he will never be better. Obviously, he could. I can't predict the future. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Aaron Judge is playing the best baseball of his life. I don't care what he did in American Legion ball or high school. <laughs> what did he go to USC or UCLA? Um, this is the best baseball of his life. And I love what he's doing. I hope he continues. Keep making me look stupid because it's fun to watch. But, man, I... I, I <laughs> I want to see wherever all the tough talkers are when he hits his inevitable cold stretch. Everybody has a cold snap. And let's see what happens when Judge has his. I think you got to do the deal, man, especially with Trout talking about coming back, like, tomorrow. Not yeah. not really, guys. I, I don't want anyone to think, oh, I'm going to get Trout <laughs> back in my lineup tomorrow. Uh, but he is talking all-star break, which is insane in its own right. But, you know, we got to get going, man. That was a great episode, dude. We went uh, we went a little bit longer than normal. Uh, I like this setup here of, of talking about a handful of pieces as jump-off points. And then talking about something like uh, like a trade in your league to talk about a lot of different guys. So hopefully you all enjoyed that. I'll be back with Jason on Saturday. Eno, have a good rest of your week, bud. Yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs>